Hello, I'm Ryan Boll, a Stratfor Middle East and North Africa analyst at Rain. This podcast is brought to you by Worldview, Rain's premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Sign up for our free newsletter at worldview.stratfor.com. You are listening to Rain's Essential Geopolitics Podcast, powered by Stratfor. I'm Emily Donahue. Over the past few months, China has passed new laws related to collecting and using personal information. It's also come down hard on some of the country's leading tech companies and other businesses. And it set out new social, educational, and cultural rules. Is this a new campaign to reshape the country's culture? Chase Blazik is a Stratfor Asia-Pacific analyst at Rain. Chase, I think we need some guidance here. Yeah, um, c- couldn't we all use some guidance on this? Um, this seems to be a, a, a bit of an outgrowth from the tech crackdown that's been going on since October, as you mentioned, but it's certainly separate, um, right? This has mainly been over the last month that I've been tracking it is a number of announcements from senior officials as well as uh, media articles and regulations uh, strictly on cultural issues that are having impacts uh, on different industries nonetheless. For example, in education, we saw a recent ban on nonprofit tutoring, a requirement to teach Xi Jinping thought um, to all primary and secondary schools, uh, boost ideological work in colleges, and make mandatory uh, Mandarin classes more prominent in minority areas. In the gaming industry, we saw time limits for minors on using online games, a moratorium on game approvals. Uh, In the entertainment industry in general, we saw uh, sort of a crackdown on high pay for actors, a ban on reality talent shows, um, a a campaign to stop deformed tastes, as Beijing put it, including quote-unquote effeminate or sissy men, right, Uh, as well as... uh, cracking down on a chaotic celebrity fan culture, and then on online content in general, more promotion of the CCP, rejecting historical nihilism, which is basically any historical or political narratives that counter Beijing's narratives. Um, and so those are kind of the, the main industries that it's, it's been hitting. And it would be unfair to not mention that some of these cultural and sort of uh, industry campaigns have been geared toward addressing uh, actual uh, issues that common citizens have, such as long hours in the tech sphere or in the tech sector, rather, um, poor pay and long working hours for food delivery drivers, food safety, etc. And it all comes amid a campaign that uh, Xi Jinping has launched since uh, mid-August on common prosperity, right, which is sort of discouraging uh, excessive wealth and trying to reduce the wealth gap. So Chase, why is this happening now? Uh, also uh, a good question. It seems to have come out of the blue, um, but there are a number of things that are coming up and currently happening in Chinese society that could give us clues, right? Um, there's obviously a slowing economy in China this year because of uh, COVID and China's ongoing sort of zero tolerance crackdowns where they will shut down entire cities that detect even a handful of cases. This is really hurting the economy. And in Chinese society, there's an implicit bargain always between the party and the people saying that we will give you economic growth and you don't say anything about politics and other cultural issues, right? Um, So when economic growth slows, there's public grievances uh, arise and Beijing tends to emphasize politics and culture and nationalism 
to make up for it. Um, the other part of this is that uh, the sixth plenum of the Central Committee is coming up in November, and basically that's a senior political event during which Xi Jinping is going to try to rally all of his uh, allies around him in preparation for his inevitable third term as the leader of China uh, next year. Um, one element that I, I'm not really sure what the why is on this, but it's certainly something that is uh, a vein that's gone through all of these industry changes is a certain uh, hesitance about foreign cultures and a preference for domestic Chinese companies, right? You see this in trying to push down Western uh, celebrity trends, music trends, social media trends, etc. Um, and overall, all, I would say this campaign, this cultural campaign, is coming at a time of deep geopolitical struggle for China. And they've used that word as sort of a, a reversion to, to Maoist verbiage, right, of class struggle or the oppressor versus the oppressed. Uh, China, and particularly the president, Xi Jinping, believes uh, China is in a time of uh, unprecedented geopolitical difficulties, especially in its uh, tensions with the United States, economic, military, etc. And in a time like this, uh, it, it is my opinion, Beijing believes China needs to have tough, loyal, productive people uh, in all industries, right, and be emphasizing Chinese over, over the foreign. Well, what are the implications, particularly for businesses? Yeah, sure. I, I would say any individual business is not likely to be hit by particular regulations or, or anything like we saw H&M get hit back in March uh, over Western sanctions on Xinjiang cotton. Um, but we are seeing entire sectors get hit, right? And it's almost impossible to dodge that impact if you're a foreign company in China, right? The banning of private tutoring and education, banning certain content in the entertainment industry, um, policing what content can go on online services and in um, audio and visual media. All of this is sort of Beijing playing with supply and demand signals, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Um, and so there will be collateral damage for foreign businesses that serve these markets, even if they're not directly targeted. Um, the other impact is this will boost nationalism uh, and loyalty campaigns in China. Um, and we've already seen this in education and in gambling uh, and in entertainment is this growing preference for Chinese companies. Um, we saw it in telecoms too, the recent telecoms contracts. So foreign companies stand to, to lose out from that. Um, even though Beijing is still trying to uh, encourage and attract foreign investment, these political and cultural campaigns generally uh, take precedent. Um, and one of the impacts I would say that's important to watch purely domestically within China is simmering discontent among the people as they see their hobbies, <laughs> you know, uh, video games, TV, um, listening to music, all of these things that they've taken for granted being increasingly subject to regulations. Um, I don't see this leading to widespread protests uh, or anything like that because, uh, for better or for worse, China's Public Security Bureau is very capable of managing protests, but we will see this simmering discontent as well. Chase Blazik is a Stratfor Asia-Pacific analyst at RAIN. He delivers regular intelligence updates on the geopolitics of China, including the U.S.-China competition. You can check out his work and that of our other expert analysts with the free Worldview newsletter from RAIN. Go to worldview.stratfor.com. That's worldview.stratfor.com. 
I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.